Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to Footy Prime, the podcast the basketball edition with Danny Dicchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Today, we welcome Dan Gladman and Leo Routens, producer Dan Wong, and me, Jeff Cole. Stay distant and stay safe, people. That's a lot of people, but uh, fortunately, there's no Dicchio once again. Dicchio has, has bailed again. He says that Toronto FC have the, these conference calls on Monday mornings. I think it's bullshit. I think D just hit the bottom, hit rock bottom. He has, he, he's, <laughs> his hair's out of control. He hasn't brushed his teeth in, in a couple of weeks now. He's just given up on life, essentially. So that's what I think is happening. Much like myself, this is the day of that, fellas, where I did hit rock bottom. I don't care anymore. I've made no effort whatsoever. I'm not even wearing a damn hat. I just don't care. You know, as, as the virus peaks, I'm hitting rock bottom. So I'm really hoping that uh, at some point we'll, we'll, we'll cross... That's what I'm hoping at some point. And then by maybe this time next week, I'm feeling better. But it's a good one today. I'm excited about today because I, there's nothing to talk about that we haven't spoken about football-wise. We've done it all, and I'm bored of it. I'm so bored of it. So this is our crossover edition, or, or maybe we should call it our stepover edition. As you, you must know, uh, basketball, the NBA is uh, a sport, a league very close to the pod here. We've had Alex McKechnie on uh, previously. Um, Craig and Wong are, are massive Raptors fans. Uh, uh, I'm becoming one. Obviously, last year, I'm a bit of a bandwagon jumper. I do appreciate the sport, though. So I'm really, really happy to have uh, Dan Gladman and Leo Routens on today. Fellas, thanks so much. Um, Leo, so doing my research, um, you had back surgery just prior to this whole nonsense happening, right? You were kind of housebound anyway for, for a few weeks recovering. So how long has it been now for you, stuck in your house? Well, actually, believe it or not, I had surgery on uh, February 12th, and I did the Raptors game on the 21st. So I was uh, stuck in a hospital for five days, uh, came home for a few, and then I was on a plane to Toronto to do the Raptors game against, uh, I think it was San Antonio, I'm not sure, but uh, so I had very little time to kind of rehab, but, uh, you know, obviously with this with the NBA season uh, getting suspended. For me personally, uh, physically, it's been great. I'm in Florida. It's hot. It's sunny. Uh, I got a pool. I can work out. I can do all the things I do, and I don't have to get on a plane every other day. So uh, it's been, uh, it's actually been really good for me in my rehab, uh, this isolation, believe it or not. Alex McKechnie was actually 
I was talking to him yesterday, Leo, and he said that uh, I should ask you about your back because it's quite remarkable how you recovered so incredibly quickly. The guy from Florida, the doctor, I believe, did an amazing job. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very lucky. It was actually thanks to Alex. Um, you know, he realized that, first of all, he scared the hell out of me, right? Alex looked at my MRI, and I, I, I was sitting in West Palm Beach Airport having a glass of wine after I had all my tests. And Alex calls me, and, he, and you guys know Alex. He's swearing, going, oh, my God. <laughs> Alex, Alex, just please, you know, cut the theatrics, man. Tell me. He goes, this is the worst goddamn thing I've ever seen. I'm going, okay, all right. Anyway, through Alex, he ends up finding me through the Miami Heat, uh, a doctor named Dan Cohen in Miami. Uh, and he was absolutely amazing. He, uh, you know, he, 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 and he, even he said the same thing. We're going through the MRI. He's going, oh, oh. Jeez, oh, I'm okay. Is everybody trying to scare the beans out of me here? Um, but he said, I think we can fix it. And uh, uh, he was able to do it. And the scary part is, and I have told a few people this, that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird feeling. I don't know if it's if I should feel blessed, if I should feel uh, like I cheated the system, something. But nobody understands how I was ever to play, how I ever played when they see my back. Because I had surgery when I was 11, and a lot of this stuff came from that. Um, so they don't get how I was able to play. And, and, and even a Dr. Cohen in Miami I walked in his office. He looks at it and goes, my wife's going, you got to tell Leo to stop working out, stop doing this and stuff. He's going, hey, I don't even understand how he's walking in my office right now. So whatever he's doing, I'm not stopping him. But uh, the surgery went great. And, and again, the rest now has been phenomenal. Alex also wanted me to ask you if you do your own spray tan or does somebody else do it for you? <laughs> hey, Rod Black helps him. fellas. Oh, natural. Rod Black, that's right. <laughs> Rod will help him if he needs it. <laughs> Absolute legend. But, you know, you tall fellas, I mean, let's be honest, you know, back issues are very, very common. Craig, yourself, you've had many, many, uh, well, one surgery is it, but many issues with the back as well. Yeah, I mean, Danny Dicchio has actually had surgery. Yeah. On the back. I haven't had any surgeries oh, over okay. yet, um, but it, uh, my neck will need surgery at some point. I was supposed to see a specialist uh, a week ago, but with all this uh, going on right now, all that sort of sort of thing is put on the back burner. So, uh, unfortunately, my neck's not too bad over the last few days, but it's up and down for sure. But you find being so lethargic and just doing nothing, right? I mean, my back's actually hurting me. Now, I'm in terrible shape to start with, as you, as you know, and remind me all the time. But sitting on my ass on the couch for hours every day, it's, it's not conducive to a good back. So I'm a bit stiff right now. Um, Dan, Dan Gladman. Now, Dan um, produced Raptors basketball for, what, two decades, right, Dan? A long time, anyway. Since day one, was it? Or close to? Uh- not, not since day one. I mean, I was uh, around the team for about 20 years and about right. 10 and a half seasons producing the games. Yeah, so you've seen it all. And, you know, th- this shutdown, it seemed to me that the NBA was the first league to take a stand and to take control. You know, there, there's those crazy scenes, of course, the night that the league was essentially put on hold. Um, but it, the rest of the leagues around the world kind of followed the NBA, you know, and, and their model right now. Do you personally see this current season being saved in some capacity? I, I don't see any way that they're going to be able to play another game. I mean, look at the United States. It's it's a catastrophe, and it's just getting worse. I, I don't see how even by June they'd be able to play basketball, and, and that's before any training would come into it. 
You know, uh, I do agree with you. I think the NBA was at the vanguard of this. I, I was watching ball that night and almost the moment when it was announced that Rudy Gobert um, had, had been diagnosed with it and they canceled the game on the spot. Uh, they might have finished one or two games later that night, but the next day the NBA was, was shut down for business and then pretty much within the next couple of days every every sport went down and you know pretty much from that night I went into isolation I, the NBA was the the indicator that everybody really was going to have to take this seriously in North America hey Dan I know that you have been doing basketball I know it's your love for sure you're uh, but we have actually worked together producing uh, some Toronto FC games back in the day yeah yep those were uh, honestly it's funny um when i started producing the raptors games it was 2009 and i had i had produced pre-game shows and post-game shows but i hadn't done live events yet and when but i knew basketball i didn't really know soccer that well so by the the process of working with you and i i think it was jerry dobson you were teamed with right is that right and you know i really had to concentrate on the rules and understanding how to show a replay on an offside, you know, which can be, can be challenging. So by, by focusing on producing the soccer games, not to mention working with yourself and Jerry and our director, Mark Askin, um, I really, by producing soccer games, it actually helped me to become a better producer at basketball. Do you uh, do you find when you're producing sports, different sports? Do you find it uh, challenging? Uh, is it a lot different when you're doing different sports? I don't, I don't wait, 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 wait! I got to ask you. So this, so now I understand. So this is why Dan says that was offside. That was this <laughs> games. Is this where it's coming from? Yeah, except when I'm saying you say something offside, it has nothing to do with the sports. <laughs> hey, that's a that's an Alex McKechnie line right there. Offside. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe we should. Is Alex available this morning? What's he doing? He's loading. Al- Alex is in Vancouver. He's uh, it's probably a little early for him. <laughs> or is you it? know what? You make good points, though, fellas. I mean, the, the two sports, right? Soccer and basketball are actually quite similar in, in many ways. And you know, off the court, off the field, they're both really fast growing. Obviously, in Canadian sports scene, both upsetting the uh, the establishment. Um, and and I think footballers and, and ball players are similar in that they also understand their brands better than perhaps other sports. Leo, you, you played basketball in Europe, right? Back, I won't say when, it was a few years ago now. Um, but did you uh, get an appreciation for, for soccer, for European soccer in Italy or, or Spain or wherever you were playing? Oh, I, I, you had to. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, I, I, you know, every city we'd go to, like on a Sunday, uh, if that's where you had your games in Italy, there'd be a soccer game going on. The traffic would just be insanity. And, you know, one of the things you really kind of understand, it was the same with basketball, that it wasn't just a game, right? It, it was it was crazy. Uh, and, and you started taking, like when, when I was playing basketball, I was first year in Italy was in Rome, Italy. So it wasn't like Rome, uh, it wasn't like your team's coming to that city. It was like the city of Rome is coming to your city. And it's like, you know, all roads lead to Rome. We got to beat these people. And, you know, it was scary sometimes, you know, in the arena, whether I'm going to get out of the arena alive uh, and soccer. Like that, that's when I finally understood uh, why soccer had that kind of intensity, too. The crowds were crazy and, and, and raucous. And, and uh, so I definitely got an appreciation for it. 
So, Leo, the basketball, the crowds and the atmosphere was, is certainly different over in Europe. You found that, eh? Like, I do know that the hockey, they talk about the German crowds over in the hockey leagues over there uh, in Europe and how they, they are very similar to the, to the soccer games with the chanting. Hey, I'll be honest. With you. I, I, there were times I'm, I literally was scared for my life. Uh, yeah, they were chanting. They were throwing animals on the floor, dead animals. <laughs> Smoke bombs were we're playing in a European Cup against the great Oscar Schmidt. And at before the before the game starts, if you're at your end of the court, you couldn't see the basket at the other end because of the smoke bombs and everything and the sulfur. Like your lungs are on fire. Um, you've got police escorts. You don't look out the window of your bus leaving the arena because a rock might come through it. Uh, you've got a police escort that takes you as soon as you see city limits, they leave and you're free to go. Right. Uh, it was, it was, it was terrifying at times. It really was uh, brawls in the games. I mean, this was before, you know, 500 cameras uh, brawls in the games, but here's the funniest thing. And Craig, you might, you might appreciate this, that it, it no matter what happened, we lost this European cup, uh, this uh, Italian, uh, this, uh, Italian cup semifinal against Milan. And it, and it came down to the buzzer. A crazy play happened. It was chaos. You know, people were throwing food. It was nuts. You get in the locker room. What's the first question? What's the first thing everybody talks about? And no matter. And, and we lost. So it's 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 the end of the world. Hey, where are we eating tonight? <laughs> <laughs> that was the most important question of the day, regardless of the game. <laughs> Well, I mean, Leo, you obviously you're drafted into the NBA, but you had that experience in Europe. I mean, how important was that for you as a player to get that experience uh, playing, you know, overseas and that opportunity? Well, it, it, everything was kind of flipped around. So my my first experience came playing for Canada, right? Uh, from the time I was 16, I was playing, you know, for for Canada and playing against I was playing against men, playing at international FIBA, the whole bit, uh, and that was phenomenal for my development, for my for my confidence, for everything. Then I played in the NBA, and due to a variety of reasons, injuries being the main thing, then I then I was then I went over to Europe. So um, you know, collectively, it was all you know everything that kind of allowed me to do what I did, and uh, they were all great experiences. I mean, I honestly, if I, I wouldn't trade anything, anything uh, I've gone through and the experience I've had have been phenomenal. Leo, you, you you missed you jumped over the Syracuse days with that curly afro. <laughs> Um, your doctor hey, like it, <laughs> but dude, I lit. I literally was a Big East fan because I. Craig knows I'm a big. I, I've always been an amateur athletics guy, uh, and we'd go out and we'd watch Steve Nash try and get into the Olympics in Puerto Rico, have some barleys. But you were the first Canadian that I remember watching on CBS, and you ended up losing in, the, in on. I think it was against Georgetown, which made me sad. But, you know, you made you got me into the Big East. And the Big East back then was so much fun. I mean, I remember when Wennington went there, uh, Stuart Granger for Villanova. Like, these were – and you were at Syracuse. And then there was, you know, a couple guys down in the upper Niagara, you know, going to those schools from the Ottawa region where I'm from. So it was one of these things. So you actually gave people – you know, first of all, CBS covering Nash, you know, the NCAA was a big thing. And there's this six foot eight curly haired Canadian running around taking threes when there weren't threes sometimes back then, right? Like, did you play with, did you, yeah. when, when did threes come in? 
86, no, I think. Yeah, they came in after uh, after I was out of the NBA already. But, uh, you know, those are crazy days. Uh, you know, the Big East, you think about when I went to Syracuse, and by the way, you mentioned Stu Granger. I tell yeah. you what, he's the best point guard Canada ever had that nobody knows about. Right. And he, Stu actually was Canadian, right? Born in Montreal. Uh, yeah. Funny story. We're, we're, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of going. No, no, go ahead. We're, we're, uh, we're landing at JFK. We're going through JFK for Canada, and we've got to go through customs, and Stu has a permanent residency card. He's already playing for Villanova. And the guy looks at it, he looks at Stu, he goes, are you freaking kidding me? It's his baby <laughs> picture. He lived in Montreal until he was three months old, and that was his picture on his card. So, Because back then, you didn't have to renew them. They were, like, forever. But, uh, yeah, the Big East, like, when I went to Syracuse, here's the crazy part. I transferred to Syracuse from Minnesota. There was no Big East. There was nothing. I went to Syracuse. I thought it was a great place. By the time I, I went there, I had to redshirt. You know, you had to sit out a year and play. All of a sudden, it was a Big East conference, and we, there was a carrier dome. There was no dome when I went when I went to Syracuse. All of a sudden, we have a dome. Next thing you know, you're playing in the in the premier conference in the country. Everybody's got stars. Patrick Ewan, Billy Wennington, Stu Granger, John Pinone. Everybody's got stars. And we're playing in front of 30,000 people every game. Our inner squad scrimmage my senior year, we had 27,000 people. Wow. Inner squad. So this is, you're talking about uh, something that I didn't even anticipate or think would ever happen. All of a sudden, that's, that's what I'm playing in. So it, it was incredible. And uh, great memories of the Big East. I mean, it was phenomenal. Can I, can I add in 20 years of knowing Leo, that's the first time I've heard him say that Syracuse is a great place? <laughs> I, wait, wait, wait. I didn't say Syracuse, the city. I said oh, playing campus. Okay. Well, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, CBS was running. They're, they're showing classic games of, of the NCAA tournament. And the, the Villanova Georgia championship was on on Sunday. And I couldn't take my eyes off it. That, that was literally the game that got me into basketball as like a 11 or 12 year old. And it is, it's incredible to see viewing it in that position. And, and to this point, you know, the big East kind of came out of nowhere and, and took over the, the years before it was all uh, ACC, right? You, you have North Carolina and Jordan wins in 82 uh, NC state in 83. And then all of a sudden Georgetown comes out of nowhere. And in 85, three of the final four teams are uh, are from the Big East, and by the way, huge huge sadness. Like we would know who's in the Final Four right now, right? It would be coming up this next weekend. So, right of spring for I know for Craig and I, Craig and I have a get together every Thursday for the tip off. Dave Amber uh, and uh, Brendan Dunlop shows up, so we've been booking off our Thursday afternoons right? and hooky at twelve oh five. Twenty guys show up. Uh, How long have you been doing that, Dan? It's been going on for like nearly 20 years, isn't it? 97 was our first time, and we've been changing. So our buddy Sugar, we have a friend named Sugar, who uh, lets us party. We have a friend named Sugar. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Let's us party at his place, and we start the games at 12.05. Stemmel comes out. We bet five bucks per game, and we get to the point where we're betting on thanks to Lear. They'll show So we're betting on Lear. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. We had a rock, rock paper, scissors uh, attorney. Well, rock, yeah, we play rock, paper, scissors, too. The first Thursday why, why not? tournament is a sacred day. 
Oh, it's fantastic. And, and it just, it, what a, what a loss um, to not have that. And it, it, I mean, it really hit home the day they canceled the, the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, for me, that hits home more than the Olympics being postponed a year. You know, to, to, lose, to lose March Madness for an entire year as, as a basketball fan, it's just... Yeah, but Dan, you know, you made the great point. You made the great point earlier. You know, yeah, it's horrible. You know, we're missing out on the NCAA tournament and everything. But, you know, Adam Silver stepping up with the NBA really brought a global attention to what's going on right now. Because obviously, as you know, with uh, numbnuts over here running the United States, uh, everything was going, everything's going in a crazy direction. And there was no direction at that time. And Adam Silver, when he shut the NBA down, all of a sudden, all the global leagues and everybody, as you guys mentioned, shut down. But more importantly, all of a sudden, everybody said, holy moly, this thing's important yeah. here. This is, we got to listen to this. So, yeah, the NCAA is down. We're all sad. But really, you know, the NCAA was even talking about doing a tournament uh, and, and going yeah, through everything. And you're talking about kids. Like, you've got to help save these kids. Don't put them in that situation. Yeah. Hey, Leo, what, what is the biggest change that you've seen in basketball over the last 20 years? Well, obviously the three-point shot, right? I mean, uh, there was a there was a game on TV the other day. Uh, Steve Nash, remember? Remember, it was seven seconds or die playing for Phoenix, and <laughs> and, and you got to shoot the ball quick. And they they took like twelve threes. I mean, twelve threes is five minutes of an NBA game now. It's ridiculous. So uh, I think that's the biggest change. And then the contact. And I and and I gotta I gotta bite my tongue a little bit when I'm broadcasting because I'm old school and. <laughs> You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with knocking the beans out of somebody or, you know, some guy's talking trash or some guy's going, hey, me, 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 boom, you. Uh, that's that's the way we play. Um, so it's interesting because we, we actually in football, that's exactly what's happened in the UK. When I was over there early on for the first 10 years, it was all British players and they played hard, honest, tough, fair and internationally, the foreigners started coming into it, and certainly the game changed, and the refereeing and everything, the way they, they deal with uh, with football is exactly the same. So I do miss that physicality side and the emotion um, of the game, and I see that in the NBA. Sometimes, you know, players are getting kicked out or uh, dismissed from games where I see it just as passion. There, there's a, You know, there should be some emotion allowed, um, but obviously there's a, there's a limit, and the NBA come down hard on their players. I know that. Yeah, and they want, you know, obviously, hey, you can't argue with ratings, right? And that's what's driving it. I mean, they want high-scoring games, and uh, they don't want players risking injury. They don't want any of that. So uh, mm. I get it. I get entertainment. But I miss, the, I miss the physicality. I miss the uh, – I have nothing against a three-point shot, but I like a good shot. If a three-point shot's a good shot, take it. Uh, I have no question. But when, you're, when your team's missed eight shots in a row and you come down and take three more threes and you haven't made one yet – I don't get that, right? To me, that's a that's a foreign idea. Um, so that, those are the big changes now. But like I said, you can't argue because you know people love the game. The ratings are great. Uh, players are buying into it. They're doing it, so they're having fun. And, uh, and and the camaraderie is something too. Like you mentioned, like you see guys now, they're hugging and kissing each other before the game. Hey, guy dunks on you, you pat him on the rear end, going great play. Go, huh? Great. You dunk on me. I'm gonna next time down. I'm putting my elbow in your mouth. I mean, come on. You gotta. You gotta have a little bit of that. Just please. And and guys are so quick today, and so athletic that if you can't physically steer somebody and and you can't stop them. But again, that's what the NBA wants: scoring. 
Mm-hmm. It's a great point. I mean, and again, the comparisons between basketball and, and soccer are really obvious. I mean, right now we have problems like Craig mentioned there and, and you too, Leo, at halftime of games, players changing shirts, you know, from teammate to teams because they want to get, you know, the big name from the other team. Uh, you see them in the tunnel before games, hugging and kissing and shaking yeah. hands. And, and I, I don't know, I'm old school as well. I don't, I want, I want the opponents to hate each other. And the reality is we know you don't hate each other, but once the whistle blows, you should hate each other. So I think we're losing a little bit of that in a number of sports. But again, the comparison between these two sports is so similar. Why is, why is the NBA so uh, forward thinking in that regard, as far as, you know, players building their brands, because I'm watching soccer now and traditionally speaking, soccer players weren't very interesting. Sorry, Craig, they weren't, Um, (laughs) but you're seeing a Paul Pogba now working his brand and he loves the NBA look at a Neymar working his brand. He loves the NBA. It seems the NBA player is almost an example now for the footballers. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to go back to David Stern, even Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan was the first guy that really branded himself, right? He, he had separate rules from everybody else. And then I think things started to change and develop for everybody in the league. But I, I think the NBA realized it's about the stars. Uh, you can talk teams but people will identify with the individuals. And, and I, I think the game is also conducive to that. Uh, you know, just like soccer, I mean, you're not covered in headgear. You're not covered in equipment. People can see expressions. You're, you're up close. Think about it. You've got the largest athletes on the smallest playing surface. So, and, and fans are literally, I mean, they get, people get a kick out of paying $2,000 and having a seven-footer fall in their lap and spill their beer. So <laughs> you know, that's the kind of game it is. So it's very conducive to uh, – uh, to the to the image uh, and selling the athlete and so branding I think has been very the NBA has been very forward with allowing players to be themselves and and well, Adam even today encourages players to speak up politically uh, you know you know don't hold back be aware of what you're saying be aware that could be repercussions be knowledgeable of what you're talking about but by all means you know be yourself. And, and, yeah, I mean, Leo, talking about the NBA, and I think they do some wonderful things. Uh, it is a little bit hypocritical of the NBA when they, you know, when the, the Chinese situation came up, when some of the players, I think Harding was talking about uh, the Chinese in a negative manner, and they took it the wrong way. Everybody backtracked from that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that was a tough one. I mean, you've got to understand the NBA took a, a monster hit. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe a billion dollars. I mean, the, 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 the Chinese market is enormous, enormous. So that really was a, a tough one. And now the NBA is a league. You can absorb that to a certain extent. But believe me, it hurt. Uh, for individual players, they don't talk about this a lot, but players make a lot of money over there. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I'm when doing the Raptor games in the, in the, in the playoffs, uh, ESPN, they asked me if I could do this like little two or three minute thing on ESPN China or whatever it is. So I say, sure. Yeah, no problem. I'll do it. This guy tells me, so what are our ratings? We were, we were thrilled when we were getting mil- a few million people watching, right, Dan, this yeah. guy tells me, you know how many people are watching your hit right now? I said, no, it was about 15 million. Whoa. For, for a little Mickey Mouse, little hit. So, uh, a lot of players obviously don't want to try to you know damage that, and and, and that that's a lot of money. Uh, the NBA, uh, like I said, can absorb it, but that was a that was a monster hit, and that's one of those where 
you know, yeah, say what you want, but sometimes you just got to be a little bit careful. And it's a certain degree. It is hypocritical. The the thing with that one, though, Leo, it it wasn't one of the players. It was the general manager of Houston Rockets who said it. And the players who obviously realized how much is at stake for their personal brands and businesses in China, you know, LeBron was really upset. And Daryl Morey, who had was somewhat of a prominent voice in the NBA after his comments about China and Hong Kong. He's been virtually invisible and silent in basketball since, since that moment. So it it wasn't the players who, you know, the players are encouraged to speak their minds and speak politically. um, But I guess they know how to toe the line. And in that instance, it was the general manager of, of the Houston Rockets who made the mistake and upset China and cost the players millions and maybe billions of dollars. You don't want to upset Chinese people. Just telling you all. <laughs> I'm pointing at all four of you white people. <laughs> I thought you were German. <laughs> hey, Dan, but, um, you, you, it's interesting um, from the broadcast standpoint, you know, you, you alluded to it a little bit there. Um, in your time working with the Raptors and, you know, the NBA, how has the broadcasts of the games changed? You know, are you now more focused on the individual personalities of the players? You know I mean? It's funny how Leo and Jack, Jack Armstrong, not leaving. are without doubt the most well-known color commentators in Canadian sports, right? Without doubt, in my opinion. But how, how has the, uh, the, the broadcast changed in the last decade, two decades? Well, I, I think one thing that I always had in mind when I was producing the, the Raptors broadcast is to tell the stories of the stars, show the stars. And Leo mentioned it, it you know, it's, it's business, it, it's show business. And you just can't show Kawhi Leonard enough. You can't show Kyle Lowry enough. That's the, the people are watching for the jersey and to see who wins the game, but they're in love with the players. And the thing in, in this in this era, and you talk about the broadcasting it the, the past 10 years, is the social media component of it. And again, the NBA promoted this. You know, I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was Charlie Villanueva, and he tweeted at halftime. And people were incensed, and they thought, shouldn't he be focused on the game? Shouldn't he be worrying about this? Who's tweeting at halftime? Within a year, every player in the NBA had a Twitter account then it was Instagram, you know, now it's probably TikTok. The the accessibility of these players is something that is the envy of, of other sports leagues. I've even heard um, Manfred, the, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, explain he's jealous that the NBA players are so good with social media and branding themselves that baseball players aren't. And you see the difference in their overall business. I, I think the thing that probably changed in terms of that, in terms of broadcasting is, you know, if a player has a good tweet or a good Instagram post, that became part of the broadcast, understanding that some of the audience probably doesn't even have Instagram. Well, you know, if uh, Pascal Siakam put something really cool on his social media, it's already out there in the open. So that's an opportunity to show it on the broadcast. And, and then you can have fun with it in that short amount of time. And, you know, announcers like Leo, like Jack, like Matt, were able to, you know, extend the fun of that as well. Hey, Dan, Leo, I'll ask you the, this question. Did you ever see the Raptors winning an NBA title if you went back two or three years ago? Well, the Raptors were certainly heading in that direction. 
uh, you realize that they were they were getting stalled, right? They were getting stalled, and but they were in the mix. So when Masai decided, hey, you know, we're we're this, we're this close, we have to do something. And, you know, he, he got rid of uh, Dwayne Casey. He all of a sudden went out and got Kawhi. All of a sudden you're going, you know what? This can happen. <laughs> this can happen. Uh, and it, it took, uh, you know, he's got major onions to do what he did, how he did it. Um, and, and then all of a sudden you realize this can happen. But, uh, you know, prior to that, the Raptors were in the mix and you're going, why not? You know, if, if you get a little lucky and make a few moves, Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly can happen, and, and, and boy, did it ever. It could have gone horribly wrong, couldn't it, guys? I mean, got rid of Casey, coach of the year, you know, and you bring in Kawhi, and if that went sideways, and then he left after the first year, you're left without DeRozan, now you've lost Kawhi. You know, things could have looked a lot different from Masai. Well, if, if, you, don't, if you don't take chances, right, you never know, and, and you can't be afraid to do that. I mean, all leaders – uh, understand if you if you, you can't lead with fear, you have to lead and be and not be afraid and be bold. And you have to you know envision the future, and that's what Messiah did. And and if you think about it, you know Dwayne Casey was a tremendous coach, and there's no knock on him. He 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 helped elevate the Toronto Raptors. But it, you guys know if you're in sports, you get to a certain point. Sometimes it's just a matter of a different voice. Uh, and, and Messiah was very smart in that he looked within. Uh, and Nick Nurse had been around. Nick Nurse was there. Nick Nurse was – he got a great grasp of who Nick Nurse was as a person and, a, and as a coach. And then you're right. I mean, Kawhi, think about it. You know, Alex McKechnie, uh, I, I texted Alex as soon as the Raptors got Kawhi. And I said, you are now the most important person in this organization. Because to this point, nobody knew if Kawhi could play, right? Masai was rolling the dice. And that whole thing with load management, that's Alex. And if you want to piss Alex off, say say load management is rest. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not rest. It, it's managing the load. He's It's a work day. You're just not playing. And, you know, Alex really kept Kawhi and got Kawhi to the point where he could have a great playoff and help the Raptors win the championship. But all that had to come together. And and, and Masai, Masai took a chance, and, and it was an unbelievable chance. And, and uh you know, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And, so and as, good, as good as Kawhi was, guys, the team I think was seventeen and five or something like yep. that, twenty-two and five without when he wasn't playing. So they're it, good it, without him. It would be a hard argument to make to me that they would have won the championship last year without him. This last year, this year, different story. I, I actually think they were going to win the championship e- even without him. Um, but, James, there, there was something I was thinking of when, when you first posed the question. Um, I'm sure some of you, I'm sure, Leo, you guys read that, um, the book, A Season on the Brink. Uh, it was about Bobby Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers, I think the 85-86 season. There was a, a chapter or a line, he said, uh, that has always stuck out for me. It just almost in life, certainly in basketball. He said, the team had to get in position to be in position. And I, that's what how I've described where the Raptors were. I mean, prior to last year, there just was no way they were going to win the championship how the roster was constructed. It, there had to be that uh, – you had to have Kawhi Leonard to get there. But everything – and I think Leo was alluding to this – everything was in place – 
They were a competitive team. They knew what they had to do. They had principles on offense and defense, and they had a, a, a culture and a DNA that was set up for winning. They just needed that one person to get to the to that next level, the promised land. But I, I think that those five years before, they were in that position to just have that one more move, that one more stir of the drink, and voila, they were in that position last year, and it, it just it came together. And when you look at how the Raptors roster was constructed, it's one of the most unique, one of the most uniquely made rosters of any NBA champion of all time. I mean, that there were no lottery picks, right? There was nobody chosen in, in the in the top 10 in any draft at any time. It's just a, it's almost a, a basketball miracle story. Hey, man, that's a great point. Hey, think about this, that uh, what Dan said is really, really important because the entire NBA member, remember it was, you got to go get three stars. You want to win. You got to get three stars. You got to do, you got to get LeBron and his buddies together. You're not winning a championship. You got to get Steph and his buddies. Well, what the Raptors showed the whole NBA is no, you don't have to. And, and think about this. What, what's been, I ask you guys, what's been the biggest knock about NBA in Toronto, as far as uh, the league and everything else over the last you know, over their lifetime. What do you think? I would say that it's predictable. The playoffs are too predictable. No, time. no, I mean, just the Raptors specifically. Okay, I'll, I'll say it. It, it, uh, it. Big stars don't want to come there. Big stars don't want to come there. Okay. All right, so you've got two choices now if you're a Maasai or anybody else running the team. You could say, we're not going to get anybody. Hang your head. If we lose, we lose. We still had a good season. It's all good, right? So if you have that, so perception out there, which I don't believe, and it's not true because if you win, you got great program, people will come. But what they did was you got Raptors 905. You do great scouting, great development, right? And all of a sudden, you go and look at how this team is built, right? It's built from within. So you look at Pascal, uh, late pick. You look at Fred, undrafted. Terrence Davis, undrafted. You go through this roster – and you realize how they built this team. So nobody hung their head and said, we can't get anybody. They built this team. So now, and to your point, they were 17-5 and five without Kawhi. They won 58 games last year with midseason trades, injuries to key players, the load management, the whole bit. And nobody realized how good these guys were outside of Kawhi. And then that Kawhi factor, there's not a guy on that roster that wasn't intensely, immensely, whatever word you want to use, impacted by Kawhi. Everybody saw this guy like lock in every single game. Even Kyle, who's, uh, you know, who's one of the toughest dudes around, said, man, this guy's different. And everybody took some of that. So now you have that development, that championship confidence, what they took from Kawhi. You put it all together. And, and this team, I agree with Dan, they, could, they were in the mix to win the championship again. Uh, but they're doing it differently than the NBA has seen in a while. And, and I think that's, that's excited everybody around the league. I'll tell you, Dan and I were at NBA meetings, and I run into NBA people all around the league. I've never experienced anything where people were genuinely happy. Wow, we were so happy for you. It was great for the city, great for Toronto. But, and I think one of the reasons were because they saw, you know what, maybe we have a chance now. I really believe that. So, so, Leah, is it, is it a copycat lead? Will you see more teams following the same model as the Raptors now? 
hundred percent. It's a it's a hundred percent a copycat league. That's why you know when Steph started shooting threes, the whole NBA started shooting threes. When somebody else got international play, the whole international. That's that's the way the league is. And I think people are right now realize that hey, you're 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 just like baseball. You got to have that minor league team. You got to have development. You got to bring guys in. You got to do a better job with your scouting. And uh, without a doubt, I think people are, are realizing they can make it happen without breaking a bank on two or three guys. There's, uh, there's. I want to know if you if this didn't work out. Okay, here's the narrative. There's this movie called Fatherland. It's an old movie with Rutger Hauer, and basically it was about if Hitler won. So let's say Demar goes away. He's now in San Antonio. Uh, we come up short. We missed that shot against Philly. They lose in overtime. Play is Messiah in New York. Is he a Nick? Is he what would have happened? Let's play that game. That's a fun game for me. <laughs> hey, I, I'm Dan. I don't know if you are you think. I think number one that the development continues, the scouting continues. Maybe and you if you lose Kawhi, I think the guy still spent the season with Kawhi. They understand what, what, what being a champion is all about, whether you win it or not. Uh, and does I, Kyle, sorry, does Kyle get that new extension? Does it matter? Hey, Kyle's Kyle's the guy. I mean, hey, everybody thought when Kawhi got here, uh, Kyle's going to just sit back, take a back seat. Oh, he was upset about DeMar being traded. Do you think Kyle's stupid? Do you think Kyle can't see the difference between Kawhi and DeMar? He can right. still be his buddy. But he's not going to publicly say, oh, yeah, this is going to help us win. He's not going to say that. He's not going to embarrass his buddy. But he's not an idiot. He knows what Kawhi is. But Kyle also is not sitting there saying, okay, you're here now, Kawhi. It's your team. Oh, hell no. It's still Kyle's team. And I'm shocked that people didn't see that. And I thought it was great for Kyle because Kyle all of a sudden had this new blood, new fire. So uh, I, I think Kyle's been the guy. I think Kyle – does get the extension because he's hey, you don't win the games you win with without Kyle. And I don't care if he scores 20 or he scores zero, you don't win those games. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of player he is. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I still think things will keep moving. And, and Matai, every there's been a lot of talk, and as long as you're you're a top GM, people are going to be chasing after you. But Masai has told me, he goes, I have everything I want in Toronto. So, I take him at his word until he's not here. I take him at his word. Now, one thing that's really impressive about the team that, and we talk about NBA and maybe the changes in the NBA during regular season games for so long outside of Toronto until this team, we used to see kind of the NBA dance, a very slow pace, but this Raptor team and the character that they bring every single night is (coughs) as impressive as their skills themselves. Yeah, no, they, hey, they, it, I think we're very fortunate to have the team we have. Hey, what, what's happening in Canada right now? The game has exploded, right? Over half the country watched the NBA Finals. We have more NBA players outside of the, in the NBA outside of the United States players, uh, Americans. So the game, and, and there's kids coming up that are unbelievable. So the game is at a, at a whole different place. And I think. We have a team that, one, is fun to watch. We have a team that says and does all the right things. Hey, I don't care if I come off the bench. Hey, whoever's got the hot hand, that's who we go with. Hey, coach said we do this. This is what we do. All the young players 
in Canada are listening to this and watching this every single day. How to play the game the right way, how to have fun playing the game. It's an exciting style of game. So it's great for fans. Fans love it. The fans have really identified with this team this year. They, 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 they like it more than last year's team with mm-hmm. Kawhi. But I think what it's doing for the game uh, and what that championship banner is the, and, and that whole experience, we're not even going to see the, 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 this come to fruition for a few years. But it, it, as much as the game has exploded, what's happening with this team is going to take it to crazy levels in our country. So what's happening? Uh, let's assume that this season is done. Let's just, you know, worst case scenario, it's not going to happen anymore. Moving to next season, um, this Raptors team, what does it look like? Can they, can they continue it? There's free agents. Obviously, you understand that. Um, can you see them just taking off where, where they left off? Or is it going to be a very different looking Raptors team? That's a great question. Uh, because obviously you have uh, certain players, you know, key players that uh, are going to be, their contracts are be coming up. So Masai is going to have to make some decisions uh, and players are also going to have to make some sacrifices for this team to stay together if that's what they want to do. Um, and, and obviously Masai, Bobby Webster and Dan Tolzman, the management group, uh, they're going to, they're going to go out there and see what they can to tweak this team and make it, make it better and give themselves a chance to win. So that, that it really is a great question to see what uh, the future is going to hold. Uh, yet at the same time, I have no reason to think there's going to be a dramatic drop-off. Uh, you know, I think they have a lot of pride. They've set the bar and they want to keep it there. Do they have a shot at Giannis? Pardon me? Do they have a shot at the Greek freak? Well, that's in uh, 21. And uh, it, I think the whole league is going to try to get them. I think a lot will depend on what happens. Uh, now, unfortunately, this suspension is not helping everybody else. And as far as Giannis goes, because if Giannis won the championship at Milwaukee, everybody's going to hang their head and say, okay, this is going to be tough to try to get this guy now. But if, if they didn't win again, if after all this, they, they were not successful again this year, I think it would help everybody in their case uh, to make a bid for them. Uh, and there is, there is a relationship between Masai and Giannis uh, that I have heard is a good one, a solid one. Um, Maybe, maybe uh, that's in the marks, but in the books. But uh, here's the idea that there's going to be 29 other teams thinking they got a shot, and they're all going to they're all going to go hard to try to get them. Especially I think if the Raptors got them, they would be in the final for the three, four years in a row. <laughs> what's, that? what's that? I think the Raptors would be in the final for three or four years in a row if they could get them with this squad that they have. In addition, with him, man, oh man, calm down, Greg. Calm down. The competition in the East. Hey, let's let nothing wrong about dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Sharms is dreaming that Liverpool is going to win the league one day. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. You know, it's funny, actually. It's not funny, actually. It's bloody awful. Um, but like the, the soccer world might be the one league that is completely redefined with this shutdown because there's so many clubs out there who are operating on the brink as it stands right now. A lot of clubs uh, in the lower leagues in particular are saying that, you know, this continues for another month, two months. We're done. We're bankrupt. We cannot continue. And, and the soccer world's been on this bubble for a long time where the money's been out of control, teams operating beyond their budgets. Um, and so when this thing you know, recommences in, in a few months or six months or a year from now, the whole structure of European football in particular might look very, very different. I'm assuming, I'll ask you, Dan, this, I'm assuming the NBA is in much better shape in that regard. I mean, obviously, it's a cap system. I understand that. It's different to, uh, to European sports. But could the NBA 
in general look very different as it comes out of this? Or do you think it'll be the same same business as usual? I think whenever it, it picks up, it's going to be business as usual. I, I, I think there was so much money in the NBA. There's so much revenue. You know, the, the, the tickets are expensive. The jersey sales, um, the, the television money, and, and not that European soccer doesn't have that. I'm, I'm actually surprised to hear from you that so many or even one or two of the teams are so close to the brink of, of being bankrupt. Um, the owners of the NBA teams are generally already incredibly wealthy people or corporations, you know, as the case is in Toronto. Um, and I just think that th- they are in, in position to weather the storm. I think they just have to um, hope that things clean up in the next couple of months. I mean, there already is a model that had been suggested and it had been laughed at that the NBA season would start on Christmas day and uh, the playoffs would go in July and August. You know, that was, that was laughed at just maybe six weeks ago. And now, you know, if, if I'm being asked to make a prediction with a gun at my head, I'm looking at the NBA starting up again at, at Christmas in 2020, because I just don't see how in the States they're going to have, cleaned up the disaster that that's being made right now um so that means that you would go from march to december with no nba basketball um i don't think that that would put even one team in jeopardy i don't think any of the you know the the top players are going to be in a tough position i i think the the league is set up you know they've been through lockouts they've missed they haven't missed a full season but they've missed revenue opportunities. I think the NBA, if they missed an entire calendar year, would still be fine. Yeah, James, it's such a different situation, James, than it is for football. I mean, the Premier League teams, for most part, will be okay, but there's 92 professional clubs in the UK in, or in England alone. Uh, a lot of those and in the lower parts and lower divisions will struggle financially. The top teams that are owned by the Arabs and the Russians and all that, they'll be fine, absolutely. And uh, the NBA, I agree with you, it's just too big to fail. So they're absolutely fine. But it's the NBA. And in football, you have all these lower divisions that are just scraping by financially. And this type of thing really could put them over the brink. Hey, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go, Leo, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I think uh, you guys know soccer much better than me, but my son, uh, Andy, was playing for Panathinaikos in a EuroLeague uh, when all this happened. Uh, and, you know, just my experience from basketball, there's a big difference between the NBA and the rest of the world. Um, you have owners, and again, I'm going to talk on the basketball side. You guys can fill in the soccer side. There are owners that, yeah, they have a lot of money, but they sign these players to contracts, they, and they – they might not even have enough money to pay these guys. And th- there's no structure within the league that assures that you will get your money if you're a player. In the NBA, you're getting your money, okay? You're going to get your money no matter what if that's your contract. In, 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 uh, in, in EuroLeague, you may not get your money. When, when the season ended, they were trying to make sure guys couldn't get paid. They wanted to come back and play despite the virus. So they go, are you kidding me? But it, it's it's it, and that's I think the big difference between the NBA and the rest of the world is it's a business and they run it very much like a business. It's not just one team making a lot of money and spending a lot of money or a handful of teams. 
every team, every owner is vetted. Every team is part of this organization where you do it very professionally. And you can't sign somebody if you can't afford to pay them. And you have to have enough resources, enough money to weather storms if that happens. And the league as a whole, I think Adam Silver got, uh, I think just recently said they have a $1.5 billion loan available for all the, all the teams to tap into. Uh, so this is very much a unified unit. And mm. they still have revenues coming in despite no games actually being played. So uh, that's that's the big difference I see from what my experience in basketball is. I don't know how, how soccer as far as that goes. Well, I do think that the the owners, and I know that uh, the CONCACAF president, uh, Victor Montagliani out of Vancouver, has talked about this, needing to vet the uh, these owners better. They need to do a better job at that uh, and discover where the money is coming from. Are they there for the long term? They don't do a good job with that at all. And the latest news coming out of the England is that Newcastle United might be sold to the Saudi family, so uh, royal family. So uh, not sure that is healthy uh, for the league. Um, and there is a financial fair play situation in soccer in Europe as well that yeah. people you know that uh, people get around uh, somehow although Manchester City has been at this moment suspended for a couple of years from Europe because of their financial fair play rules or breaking them um, they're they're an interesting situation city because they're owned by the Arabs but you know every they own everything so if you're going to do a contract with an airline Emirates for for instance they're doing a 400 million pound contract with them through sponsorship is just taking it out of one pocket and putting it into another. So they're getting around these rules uh, by, uh, by cheating and uh, there are repercussions. And I'm glad that the authorities are doing what they do against certain teams that are breaking these rules. Yeah. Yeah. Leah, are you okay time-wise? I know you mentioned before that you may need to leave soon. Yeah, guys, I got to sign off here, but uh, uh, I had a blast. I hope we can do it again. It was a lot Absolutely. of fun. Thank you so much, Mike. Oh, really enjoyed that. Email We're getting the email. 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 Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the great Leo Routers. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and we're not done just yet, but it's really interesting, um, you know, talking about, what is that? Is that alarm? Are you hearing that as well? Yeah, that's probably my computer. Wait one second. Okay, okay. I was going to say maybe some government warning, you know, we're all about to die or something. No, your house is um, on fire. But I mean, it's funny, Craig, you mentioned how, you know, that the, new, the, Newcastle, the Newcastle Saudi Arabia thing is apparently, if not imminent, very close. So business is still going on. I'm, I'm reading about these transfer rumors, you know, and all these, these rags right now. I'm thinking, my God, are people really actually trying to, you know, negotiate transfers right now with all this crap going on? Business is continuing right now. It's, it's amazing, but... When you compare, I guess North, I guess North American, the Big Four, Big Five, whatever, to to European sports, the, the cap system obviously protects a lot of teams. But I do feel for some players right now, if these caps go down, which is quite possible, right, or at least stagnate, then the poor free agents who are expecting these big paydays might be a little bit disappointed. But let me ask you this, uh, Craig. Actually, um, so if the game does change in Europe right now, and we're going to see the the, the 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 game shrink a little bit with these teams that cannot continue. Um, is that actually a bad thing? I, I don't want to see people lose their jobs. I understand that. But this game has been almost too big for too long with too many um, unsavory characters running the game. So maybe if some teams shrink a little bit, it might not be the worst thing in the big picture. Well, there's certainly some unsavory characters for sure, but uh, I don't think it's great. Uh, I think part of the professional system with, like I said, 92 clubs in England is that the game 
basically goes right down to the grassroots and to the very, very lowest of levels. And that all plays a part in the system uh, of football. And it has done for decades and decades and decades. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just hope some of the smaller clubs can survive because I think it's important not only for uh, just jobs, but uh, development and even for the England national team, more people playing at any level is a good thing. Did you hear this uh, this report yesterday from the Independent about the Premier League's plan? So, and this might actually be something that other leagues look at, maybe even the NBA. But the the, the story is, and it's not confirmed yet. We don't know what's going to happen. But Miguel Delaney, who's a pretty reputable journalist, reported that it's getting a lot of traction. The concept of um, picking a few grounds in the Midlands and moving all the clubs there for for a few weeks, uh, like a tournament base. Right, you got your hotel. Families aren't welcome. It's like a tournament, the World Cup, a European Championship. They'll play games every day of the week. You know, there'll be three games this day, three games that day, you know, and this big, huge tournament to finish the last number of games in the Premier League and English football. And then you will crown a champion, probably behind closed doors. To me, it sounds amazing, actually. I mean, as much as, you know, we want to see it finish the right way, it's probably not going to happen. But my God, can you imagine this, this massive tournament, essentially, to declare the champion? Incredible. I, I, I just can't see that happening. But uh, as you know, uh, people are trying to be creative of ways to do this and uh, no more than Liverpool fans. Were there too. <laughs> and see, I don't know if you check out John Oliver yesterday, he uh, did a really good piece on Liverpool during his, uh, his segment. You know, even in basketball, if they took eight teams, 16 teams and kind of quarantined them in one area and did like a March Madness yeah. playoff. I mean, it would, it, it gives you something and it, more importantly, it gives viewers at home a break from watching news and Netflix. The thing is that I just, the, the worry wart in me just imagines there being one infected person in there who mm-hmm. you just they got through the test, the test was wrong, or whatever reason they, they contracted on a you know on their limo ride into the into the facility, and all of a sudden you go from one case into a hundred, and you know, now you have all these athletes and you know, then there's administrators and officials, and there still has to be you're still looking at a couple hundred people there. And I, I would just be so concerned about one person slipping through with the virus and, and next thing, something that was meant to be a good thing turns into the worst possible scenario. Well, just quarantine them for like six months and then the herd immunization <laughs> will be brilliant. The NBA is set. They're fine. They can continue <laughs> as normal, right? It's working yep. so well elsewhere. Do a, uh, do you remember when the NFL, they, they split the league and I know the, NBA has been talking about new approaches. It wouldn't be that far off for them to actually go, hey, let's just do a 16-team, three-week playoff. You know, best out of – remember they used to do best out of five, DG? Yeah. Do best out of fives, and then final is a best out of seven. You know, and then this gets done in a month. I understand your your hesitancy to say, hey, I'm on board with this, but we're going to be losing our shit if we do not have sports on TV soon. It's just you're you're looking at so many people being being there. I mean, uh, food preparation. So you know you have cooks. No empty stadiums. You just I, I know. I, I'm talking about preparing food for the athletes. All oh, right. Talk for yourself. Then on a 
a soccer field somewhere, you know, but to, to do even the, t- the TV production of it. I mean, you're looking at 30 people just for that. There's a 500 uh, boys in the plastic bubble. It's all bubble boys. Listen, fellas, you could shoot that thing on an iPhone, one iPhone, and the TV numbers would be unbelievable, okay? They don't, we don't care at this point. We don't. I cannot really watch and enjoy the old games, the classic games, you know? I watched a bit of the Jays last night. It's kind of cool for a while, you know? But I'm not that person that can watch a game from 10 years ago and go, oh, amazing, and then watch this one again. It's happened. I know the bloody result. It's not the same. It's not theater. Well, imagine if you're, you know, we've talked a lot about a broadcast, but think about DAZN right now. DAZN was supposed to be MLB and EPL, right? And Mm -hmm. NFL. NFL's already over. They they succeeded in their first NFL season, or second, sorry. But EPL, no Liverpool running running the board. No MLB right now. And their brand, I would say, you know, that's tough on them right now to get people because they're trying to change people's, you know, literally trying to change people's habits right in your living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, Dan. And, and they're they're massively in debt. I mean, they've been spending billions of dollars to zone capturing rights, uh, not putting it into production. They don't produce anything and people can cancel their uh, subscriptions on any given day. I paid up front, though. Damn it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Damn it. I got my money. Is that yeah. how it works? You pay the, the annual fee? It's not month to month? You can do it. You save a few bucks. It's 150 introductory. It was introductory. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. After taking a big hit, though, right now, they have to be oh, taken. Man, that's tough. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, listen, the fallout of this, I mean, my God, once this thing's over with, we're going to see the fallout. And what it means for, for a lot of businesses and um, sports-wise. Yeah, my well, God, the, the, the one thing I have to talk about too, Sharms, is, you know, we all have different backgrounds. Uh, people uh, who are listening to the podcast can't, can't see this, but if you look at us on YouTube, Jeff Cole's got his uh, Raptors jersey. Dan Gladman, our guest, has his Raptors jersey. Craig Forrest is on a green screen with Toronto behind him. I got a Raptors hat on. (laughs) James Sharman has a little picture of the devil of Craig Forrest over his. (laughs) It's fantastic. I've finished Pornhub. (laughs) So all that's left now is is a little picture of Craig and it'll have to be. You get into the Premier Club for free. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Apparently, right? I still no, don't know. No, it's true. It's I know. True. I don't know. What's, what's the difference? Right before, right before you guys joined us, <laughs> like uh, you don't know. Right before you guys joined us, Dan and I were on the the meeting just chatting, and he was just a, we were kind of bashing talent. So there was a he was now that Leo's left us. Can we hear that story about the Nexus card? Well, I I mean. Leo and I, well, more Leo, because he's still doing it, and he did it for years before before I. Um, he, he's accustomed to first class travel on the track, <laughs> but then you know, summertime comes, the team's away, and there's certain events that you have to fly to. And now Leo's flying commercially, and yeah, there was the one time uh, I was flying to New York with Leo and Chris Phillips, our director, and Leo misplaced his Nexus card. 
And next thing I know, he's like panicking and sweating. And there were at least six uh, airport staff helping him out because, you know, it's actually, I, don't, I think we were, we were already in Newark, New Jersey. So they don't even know who he is. They just know that this tall, helpless man has lost. <laughs> we need to give him all the help, all the help we can get. But the, the best part about Leo is, you know, he flies in between games. If there's if there's one day off, and he's in Toronto, and it's January, he will fly down to Florida for the day. Okay, like this is how this man lives. <laughs> but you know, when you fly that much, there's going to be delays. There's going to be things with the airlines, and his Twitter timeline is filled with. Blah, 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 at Air Canada, you know, get your shit together, at United Airlines, I can't believe nobody's helped me, and he, he is able to use Twitter to get these airlines to bend over backwards when things aren't going his way, it's, it's actually quite amazing, he always would get hell from it, from the rest of the, the broadcast crew when he would link up with us wherever that was. Former pro athletes just aren't like the rest of us, are they? You know? They are. You know, just, in many, many ways, they're just different. <laughs> Leo different just, takes, just takes pictures of his feet and his uh, his animals. Yep. Yeah. Where are your feet and where are your animals there, Forrest? Oh, you don't want to see. <laughs> look at, look at, I still got my socks on. <laughs> <laughs> no pants with socks. Are they tension socks? Oh, yeah, I got to make sure, you know, with all this sitting around. You know, <laughs> yeah, feet vein thrombosis is kicking in pretty good right now. <laughs> Finishing socks. <laughs> the, the Leo feet pictures, I was surprised when they made their debut on Twitter. He he would send them to the broadcast crew. Th- those were happening for years. You know, the point being, you know, you guys are stuck in Cleveland on a day off, and I'm in Florida sitting by my pool. So, and, and then all of a sudden he started posting them, and he's got a <laughs> legion of fans on Twitter and most of them love it. And, and, and they're, like me, right? they're like, are you kidding? Every sure day that... I get up in the morning and I look on my Twitter account and there's Leo with the dogs and the cats fighting and wrestling. And Is that Leo's or is that the premium channel? <laughs> <laughs> uh, check that uh, out. <laughs> all right, listen, I think we're probably out of time, eh, Dana? Wonder? I want to hear, hear Jeff again. Jeff's been sitting there politely taking it in, you know, he, he did his thing before the, the fantastic introduction. Hey, Jeff, go open it up. Love you. Get music out for it, Jeff. Yeah. Play the music out and uh, give us an e- extra. I can definitely do an extra. All right. Yeah. You got you to gotta remember, when I'm watching, like, when I'm sitting here just chilling out, I'm watching all the, you guys who I've, I mean, Dan, I watch you from your window. Another Dan, I also watch you from your window. But, I mean, James and Craig and Leo, it's like watching these guys that I – grew up with so it's like oh my god i like i'm kind of intimidated to even speak but now i'll speak <laughs> can you yeah okay so listen everyone thank you so much that's a lot of fun get on socials follow us on twitter on instagram just just figure it out what it is what address is by now you should know um but that we'll be back next monday god knows what we'll talk about but we hope you enjoyed the, uh, the step over edition today dan gladman thank you so much mate i really enjoyed this you're welcome anytime. thank anytime. you and of course the late he's not dead he's only been off the call for five minutes (laughs) Leo Routon's obviously a legend hey hey, by the way Dan one last thing 
Leo is actually older than Jack Armstrong, isn't he? That is correct. And I've had to explain that to people for years. Wow. Now, has anybody seen Jack Armstrong's birth certificate? Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I've, I've seen all their passports. Yeah. But that's because Leo looks so great, not because Jack doesn't. I just thought Jack might be lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leo takes care of himself, no doubt about it. (laughs) And maybe doesn't have as many beers or any. (laughs) All right, guys, that was wicked. Um, Jeff Cole, see us out, pal. All right. I'm going to do it the proper way. Here we go. Where's this? Oh, I want to play the song. Okay, forget it. Imagine the song's on. All right. You, you've been listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, with James Sharman, not Danny Dicchio, and Craig Forrest. We want to thank Dan Gladman and Leo Routens for coming on the show today. For Dan Wong and myself, sayonara and stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 